even the act of saying to a community and others in your life, hey, this is going on and I'm not even 100% sure what I'm believing here. Can you help me unpack like what's true of God and, you know, or go the other direction like, okay, this just happened today. (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't good. Or it's not even happened yet, but here's where my heart is and I'm all locked up and my heart rate's up and I'm, you know, I'm getting angina. (laughs) Help me. What am I not believing to be true right now about myself or this person? But what is true? Hmm. Why is it true? Let's now we go to the next question. Cause look at all, look at all this stuff that God's done and Jesus did at the cross. And why does he do that? Cause this is what God's like. Yeah. And you're, you're creating his image to be just like that. So, well, I just read, even just as we talk, I just feel like, yeah, so good. So good. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Well, how are you doing this week? We're good here in Washington State. It's been a pretty rainy week, kind of living up to its reputation here, though it doesn't really rain as much as everybody thinks. But the sun is out now, so hey, life's good. Tina and I are getting ready to go out tonight with some close friends in our extended family, and we're going to see another sister who's performing locally in a comedy production, sold out all the shows, 19 shows, kind of a local thing in Tacoma. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Should be fun. And I'm certain we'll run into a bunch of folks we know out and about in Tacoma. All of life is discipleship, right? So (laughs) awesome, fun. Hey, I mentioned last week and now have all the info and personal invite for you. On Thursday, we'll be hosting a free live training. This is the biggest training I've ever put together. Again, I I mentioned it last week, but now I got all the information for you. This training is called Discipleship and Mission Made Simple. I really think that it is and can be. So I'm not saying that flippantly, it's work, but it's not hard, okay? And it's really how to live and multiply a lifestyle of discipleship that others will follow. So that be you as a pastor, or you leading your family, or maybe you're a small group leader, or leading a department at your church, whatever. I can give you the full framework, and that's what we're going to do in this training. I'm going to give it to you. It's free. I want you to come. And all of that, by the way, is without filling up your schedule or having to employ endless engagement tactics to get everybody involved and you know on mission. So on this training, you're going to learn the most common roadblocks that make discipleship and everyday life way harder than it needs to be. You're going to learn natural rhythms of life that fit discipleship into your existing schedule and family routines. Again, you're going to learn how to motivate people toward disciple making and outreach without relentless carrot and stick sort of methods to get them engaged. Also, I'm going to give you the built-in way to naturally identify and multiply new leaders and missional communities. And then this is also going to help you get on the same page with your spouse and family spiritually and missionally more than ever. So I really want to encourage you to not only grab your spot, but come on and do this together as a spouse, because you're going to, light bulbs are going to go on. And, uh, and I'm going to give you how to enjoy discipleship as a lifestyle with our full everyday disciple framework. That's really the point. So you're going to kind of see all the pieces and how they fit together. It's going to be a big one. You'll definitely want to get the word out to folks in your church 
or community groups. Like I said, please come together. If you're married as a spouse, join us for this. You can save your seats at this right now, online training for Thursday. Go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash simple. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash simple. And I really hope you will join me for that. I, re- I, I want you to do that. It's live, okay? So you got to be there. You want to do it. And uh, just go to that page, get registered, and we'll send you all the information, make it real easy for you, all right? I look forward to seeing you on Thursday. Go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash simple. Now, today, this is going to be a bit of a unique episode because it's a twofer. I'm going to have two different conversations and talk to a couple of friends who have been in coaching with Tina and I, and they are both really awesome disciple-making practitioners. And they'll share about their experience in growing in their gospel fluency and specifically connected to how they've learned to use the four questions we talked about a couple episodes back and some of the effects of that. And Tina and I uh, talked about the four questions last episode, right? So check that out. This is really a continuation. The last few episodes, we've really been giving you all the pieces to the gospel fluency picture, just like that that uh, training this week is going to be the full framework. So I'm trying to really trying to load you up and go deep. So if you missed those last couple episodes, you might want to, you know, stop, go back, listen to those first, and then come on back and continue with me here today. I think it'll make more sense that way. And so first we're going to be talking to my friend, Tina Moore, different Tina, not my wife, Tina, but Tina Moore. She's a mom and married and they got a bunch of kids. She'll tell you a little bit about that and how she's using it in her neighborhood, her gospel fluency within her family life and local friendships and all that, and how it's affecting her. And then the second part of this, you'll meet Pastor Tim Brower. He's a great practitioner, great pastor. I've been to his community, been with their church, done training. It's beautiful. I love it. I want to live there. (laughs) And he's going to talk about a little bit about how he's using the four questions and his growing gospel fluency within his church and community. Yeah. They're both going to have very, very different experiences of this, but I think they're both going to give you some great insights and encouragement for how you can begin to use this sense of gospel fluency growing in your own life as well. All right, so we'll start out with Tina, and then I'll go to Tim. And again, I hope you enjoy this and you learn a lot from it, and it encourages you to keep using the four questions and that whole framework and growing in your gospel fluency as well. All right, let's take a listen. Hey, Tina, thanks again for being willing to do this and share some of your own journey and growth in gospel fluency. Yeah, it's great to be on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Just to give us a little context, just tell us a little bit about your life and family and just the rhythms of what's going on there. So kind of folks get to know you a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So we've been doing coaching for about two and a half years, and it has been just a constant source of encouragement and change, slow, steady change that I wouldn't trade for anything. Real life for us is my husband flies for one of the airlines and is gone a lot. So we're kind of juggling his schedule. We've got um, kids in a hybrid school. So doing school at home and in person, got some health challenges in the mix, uh, kind of continual energy issues. And we've been in our neighborhood for about seven years, and we've got people of peace that are sharing life with us. And we are doing open tables and moving towards a missional community. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) We have, uh, like you said, we've known each other for, you know, over two years now, and it's been such a blast to watch 
you and Ryan take what you're learning and, and watch your gospel fluency grow as you've wrestled down all the stuff in life that everyone faces. It's just that maybe you faced a lot of it in the last two, two and a half years. <laughs> it's been great. So tell us just off the top of your head, what are some of the ways that you've um, learned to apply the four questions? You know, who is God and what's he done to prove that's true of him? How does that speak into our identity? And then how do we get to live in light of it? What are some of the ways you've learned to apply that? Like what kinds of different situations have you used the four questions in? Let's start out with your own life and then we'll talk about maybe with others. But how, how have you used those four questions to, to you know, see what the gospel says about an issue in your own life? Yeah, well, I went back and actually printed out and looked at the ones I had sent to you and it was so much fun to see all the different things that, yeah. you know, I had pulled it out and used it for all kinds of stuff. I mean, things, mostly things that were some kind of emotional reaction where there was some kind of unsettledness about a situation. A lot of it was interpersonal with other people, some things related to school. I remember my son was taking a test and he was kind of, I could see how he was doing and he was online. It was not going well as a placement test. And I just freaked out about, you know, really not trusting God with his future and kind of unpack that using the four questions. Most of the time I start with uh, in reverse the situation. Just, so you use the questions the other direction. Yeah. Yes. In reverse. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe moving forward, I'd like to be more preventative, like establishing myself with a strong reminder of who the Lord is and and then kind of let that trickle through my day. You know, and the more we use this, and this is what you've experienced and we've watched change, you know, in your own fluency, but also just in your own heart. The more we do use the like the four questions, the more it's like it's in our head. It, it and it doesn't take as long for us when we start to feel a weird negative emotion, like in that instance, or something what's going on with our kids to come up. It's not like we have to wait until the rails came off, the wheels are come off, we're crashing the corner, we're both angry, throwing rocks in them. You know, it's like more quickly your mind goes back to some of those truths about who God is or what's true of us. And you're like, why am I believing this right now? And so it does get it gets easier and more normative because it speaks into our identity over and over and over, right? And that just levels us out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And truly the beliefs have changed. I mean, I look at this stuff and at the time of doing it, I had to like write down God is good because I didn't have that confidence already present in my mind, in my heart. And so as I'm writing it, you know, now I look back and, it is, it's there. Like, I know, I know he's good. I don't have to necessarily have the same conversation with myself because it's there. The belief yeah. is there. Right. It begins to reframe our whole perspective. And that's the whole point because we're being transformed. And we talk a little about when we teach on the gospel and you and I've talked about this, that not only have we been saved right from the penalty of our sin, but we're being saved by the gospel from the power of sin. And that's what start that's what's happening by the renewing of our mind, the reminding, you know, we're getting new minds, yeah. new hearts as we move from unbelief to belief. Now, how what are some of the different types of situations where you've used 
of four questions to think through something either after it's happened or maybe going into a situation that uh, with others in your own life. Yeah. One of my favorites was, or just favorite memories of using it was with my son and he was just super fearful about starting school. And so we walked through it, it had a lot to do with fear of man. And at the end, I said, how do you get to live now in, in light of all these things we've just looked at? And he just nailed it. And he said, I get to be free. And from that point, it was like, he was free in that situation. And he just went wow. and, you know, walked forward in faith and just started his school. And it was wow. just so beautiful. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, isn't it wonderful? Because yeah. We all feel those types of things, but if we can replace that with truth, and then the, of course, let's not discount the work of the Holy Spirit that's at work in your son's heart, in your heart. Yeah. And some things are like that where, you know, I try to explain this to people. Sometimes we've used the four questions with people and they, we've just watched them get set free. Something they were, had a lot of anxiety about, or they were even, it was moving them to sinful action or attitudes or relational breaks and they get set free. Sometimes other things, because they're more well-worn grooves in our heart, it helps in the moment, but then you can see, you can see the person or even in your own heart, you can see yourself slipping back into that lie because mm -hmm. it's so well-worn, so, but it's always yeah. such a blast and such a, a, oh, like this evidence of grace when you see someone just kind of get set free from a situation and it, and it's kind of like, it's changed them. <laughs> yeah. Know? And you've been with a few neighbors. I've had the chance to walk through you know, similar, um, just sitting down and actually going through it with two different neighbors. And I noticed there that just them being willing to open up the conversation or, you know, kind of dive into whatever situation, it just gave, it built a lot of trust between us and gave me a chance to, to know them more and to pray for them. And, and just to kind of, our hearts were knit together a lot, just going through it together. And that was going to be my next question is what have you seen relationally shift as you've either prepared your own heart, mm -hmm. you know, like what does the gospel even speak into that before I speak to this person? Or what have you seen shift relationally when you've been able to help good news people, you know, gospel their hearts? What did, you know, what's been some of your experience there? Yeah, for sure. What I would say is that I believe these things for people now. Mm. So I believe that God is good to my neighbors and I can speak to that when things are happening. I remember one of my neighbors came by and she's starting to speak a lot of her speech is reflective of a lot of belief shifts, but we were both going to try to help out a neighbor that didn't, um, that missed the school bus. And at the end, she said, well, I guess it was God's will for us that we didn't drive her to school today because she had gotten another ride. And I thought, wow, just to hear her say that and that, you know, God's in control of this. Um, and she had said a few other things, you know, oh, God brings people into our life for a reason. I'm thinking, wow, I can hear the belief start to come um, out of her. And it's something that I believe for her on her behalf as well. Like it's just present in our relationship. Yeah. And there again, I, I have to connect these dots. This is what it's all about. Discipleship is helping people move from unbelief to belief in light of who God is and what he's done and what's true of them and how we get to live. In other words, the gospel. 
in many areas of life. And most of us were raised, there was sort of like one belief shift. Jesus is Lord, say the prayer, wait for heaven. Truth is, <laughs> we're being saved. We're working on our salvation. This is how it happens in, in, in community with each other, in our own hearts, with our spouses. Um, I can also remember a time, Tina, when you, and I hope this is okay that we bring this up. We can sure. But I can remember one time when you were, you were go, going back and visiting your parents, and there was a, a, a hoped-for planned birthday party. <laughs> was it for your dad, I think? Uh, yes, yep. Yeah, and he wasn't really wanting it, but others were, but they were kind of putting it on you to make it happen anyway. And I know you had a lot of anxiety and frustration connected to that, but you were trying to yeah. figure out how to love your dad well and not, you know, be God in his life. And But I remember we really had to go through the four questions a lot on that. Uh, what, what are your what are your remembrances and what are you willing to talk about with that? <laughs> oh, that was so powerful. It was incredible to be reminded, oh, to experience it in community because everyone was speaking into the issue in our coaching call. And man, I just, you know, wrote down as much as, as much as I could, as fast as I could. And I carried that thing with me and I just refreshed, mm. renewed my mind and my heart with those golden nuggets of truth that my story began before my story with my parents ever was, you know, my story began with the Lord and his presence in my life and his um, grace on me. And so, yeah, that just walking through that time with those kind of like almost like handholds when you're rock climbing, just having those yeah. things in place ready to grab onto them was yeah. just huge. It was huge. And it's very few, uh, very few chances to live life with my parents. And so it's just, it's really awesome to have just my heart set yeah. ready we, to go for that. Oftentimes that relationship between us and our parents or us and siblings or whatever can be some of the hardest or most frustrating and yet we desire them so much. And yet oftentimes there, again, there's those well-worn grooves yeah. and we kind of, we can watch things either because of our own doing or because we didn't avoid things or because we want to be right. We can just see like self-sabotage from both directions. So often yes. you're like, I'm not going to see these people for a while. Darn it. <laughs> you know? And yeah. so in this case, to even prepare your own heart, what is the truth of the gospel in this? And so then yeah. how do I get to respond to this, that, this person, this situation? So I can go in with peace. And then all of a sudden you notice, because I remember this being the case, well, then all that some, somehow comes yeah. down with everybody else. Yes. And, and, and you realize we're not trying to use the four questions or the gospel, really. The tool, the tool is just the four questions. But we're not trying to use the gospel to fix everybody else or to be a magic pill. We're trying to live in light of the truth. And when we do, when we live in light of the king and the kingdom and how it works, then so, wow, no kidding. Things work better. They work the way God's designed them really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you do, you live that good news in just your settledness about everything around you. Just, yeah. There's a restfulness. Yeah. And isn't, isn't that interesting? Because when Jesus' disciples asked him, how do you pray? What do, I, what do we ask dad for? He said, ask him that it'd be like, heaven on earth. And I don't think, you know, I grew up believing that, you know, I wasn't really believing that like, what there's going to be like, it, like cloudy, harpy, white clothes, you know what I mean? Like this weird sort of, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, no, that relationally we could have peace even with disagreement or even with lots of wounds, you know, it could, could there be peace on earth as it is in heaven? 
Yeah. Jesus said, ask for that, expect that. <laughs> when you start and believing that, right? Like you start to experience it. That's part yeah. of when we rehearse evidences of grace so often, right? <laughs> yeah. And one thing I noticed with looking back on these different um, scenarios is that the process of going through the questions is in and of itself an act of trust and submission, taking the situation and really giving it to the Lord. And there is a, you know, immediate peace from the, the shift in beliefs. But then I've also looked and seen how God has resolved so many of the underlying things just over time. Like here, I'm like laying it at his feet. And then, you know, even just last night, I'm reading something and I thought, wow, that really empowered me to handle this thing different. God's still at work in all of these things. So right? it's just cool to see. It's almost just opening the door to let him do what he's going to do to deliver. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's what we see in the story. God has just been pursuing us and desires and created us for a relationship of trust. And when we do, it's like saying, okay, you get to be God now. I, you know, I've worked yeah. hard enough on this, or I've worried enough about this, or I've tried to change them enough on this. Uh, I'm going to trust you now. <laughs> He's like, that's all I've been waiting for. You know? So such grace. Yeah. Now, just to kind of start wrapping up, what when you first got introduced to this, think way back when you first started kind of interacting around the four questions and the four G's and all these things mm -hmm. growing in your gospel fluency. What, what do you just remember of what was like immediately easy kind of to apply and what was harder about it for you? Cause I, I know this is learning a new language and it's, it's some people struggle and am I doing it right? Or this, you know, what do you remember about when you were learning that good, bad, hard, easy? Yeah. I think one of the more difficult things was to share it. Well, first of all, to write it down and then to share it. Um, but just the process of exposing those disbelief, the unbelief, um, is a very powerful part of, um, kind of breaking, breaking down those lies. Um, so, and, and to get the feedback and the encouragement of, yes, keep doing this, keep doing this. Cause when your unbelief is so pervasive, it's hard to picture anything else. It's hard. It's almost like that borrowing the faith to, um, to move forward into something else. It's like, you don't even know what you could be experiencing yeah. because your norm is this. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and what happens is when we get really, really certain of a situation, like, oh, she's just this, or he's only wanting to, or the only reason this happened was, and we get very certain of these things and they're false beliefs. What we do is we start to look for evidence to support it. Yeah. And then we look for people to commiserate it. And oftentimes, yes. unwittingly, even as believers, you know, we'll come to somebody with something. It's really mucky. It's gross. It's not, we're not believing the truth. And they'll commiserate with us. Oh, honey, that's okay. We'll just pray. We'll just pray that you don't, that, that mean person just moves. They're, God, just move that neighbor. God, just get, get, you know, get that, get Ryan a new boss. Just, I pray, you know, you're like, no, 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 no. Pray that we can get set free, that we might live with freedom. <laughs> with yes. These. Right. But we, we commiserate and we basically anti-gospel people by just yeah. trying to keep on more, you know, or, or do to be, well, honey, if you just quit worrying about it so much, you know, do to be yes. right. And you're like, Oh, that's backwards. 
Yeah, maybe that's part of you experience enough of that and you don't want to bring it to light. (laughs) Right. Well, things are very certain. Like you said, you get very, very certain. And so even the act of saying to a community and others in your life, hey, this is going on and I'm not even 100% sure what I'm believing here. Can you help me unpack like what's true of God and, you know, or go the other direction? Like, okay, this just happened today. (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't good. Or, it's not even happened yet, but here's where my heart is. And I'm all locked up and my heart rate's up and I'm, you know, I'm getting angina over this, you know, yeah. help me. What am I not believing to be true right now about myself or this person? But what is true? Hmm, why is it true? Let's now we go to the next question. Cause look at all, look at all this stuff that God's done and Jesus did at the cross. And why does he do that? Cause this is what God's like. Yeah. And you know what? You're creating his image to be just like that. So Whoa, just ready. Even just as we talk, I just feel like. Yeah, so good. So good. But yeah, when you have clearly encouraged us to write, goes through the writing process to not to neglect that. And now I'm, I'm very thankful for that because I can look back and see and I can I can go back and, you know, re-gospel myself on these same things. I'm like, oh, wow, look at those scriptures. Look, I'm all printed out right here. Look at all the scriptures, look at all these stories, look at all this evidence that now, you know, yeah. it's just, just a constant. And yeah. guess what? Do you think Refreshing. you might ever have the same issue or a similar issue connected to something, you know, of the same unbelief? And you can go, wait a minute, we've yes. battled this one before. Yes. Let's go yeah. back and reverse what's true. And yeah. sometimes that's all it takes, right? You're like, I'm yeah. thinking. And that's what we do with each other in community too. Oftentimes we say, listen. And we've said this to you, sis. I know you know this in your head. Let me yeah. just speak it out again. Let's just name that. And and so we get authority again over that. And then let's 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 go back through all these truths and, and look how it showed up in our lives so many times. God's faithful. This is and this is how he thinks, you know, of you now. This is what's true of you. So yeah. sometimes we're oh. being reminded of what we know in our head, but our heart needs it again. It's like, yeah. great. Right. Especially the identity stuff. When you finally start latching onto that, it there's just so there's so much freedom, and and you can walk by faith. And I'm, and I look at the walking by faith and my identity as it relates to relating with neighbors and how much blessing the Lord has brought through that um, for these same issues, brought heal, physical healing you know, relational, emotional, all kinds of good things have come from when it was truly just an act of faith saying, okay, this is my identity. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to take the next step. Yep. Yep. And there again, I just feel like you're underlining for us. It's the gospel that sets people free. Scripture says it's the gospel that sets men free, mankind, right? It is. It's not our perfect uh, pronouncement of it. It's not our perfect. Yeah. Well, boy, oh boy, is it powerful when we come in faith. And so this is what we're encouraging everybody to do. And thanks for the encouragement that we've given you. It's like to write this out, you're learning a new language. It feels very rigid at first. Yes. It feels very rigid. It's, so this is how I have to have the conversation this rigidly. No, this is how we learn it. But as you start mm-hmm. to use it and apply it, you might be coming in this question or backwards, or let's talk about what you're believing about your brother right now or yourself, you know, but what is true of them what does god say is true can we and so it's way more fluid but to learn it that act of writing these things out with each other we you know we've done this where you know 
we do this in community. We've done this with you and we write it all out and you're like, whoa, there it is. It's a big list. <laughs> you know, all these attributes you got, but that's how we grow in it. That's how we learn to do it. And it's also how we pass it on to others. So we don't want to get to the point where we're just like, I say, yo to Jesus, like, wow, Tina just goes right there. She's so smart. How did you get there? And you're like, oh man, I got pages of stuff. I was praying through this and working through the board questions. Yeah. So we want to let people see that, right? Yeah. That's a, that's good awesome. encouragement. Yeah. I think I'm going to be pulling this out. I mean, doing some more mauling with it, which is the awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Tina, thanks for sharing your heart in this and your experiences. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Caesar. Hey, Tim, thanks for being with us, brother, and sharing the love and some of the things that you're learning about the gospel and how to really apply the four questions to get at what is the gospel in connection to a different situation, any different situation, really. I know that um, your father, pastor, neighbor, all that stuff. So obviously the gospel isn't just your job or something like that. It's real. And you and Anna live discipleship as a lifestyle. I know that. But I'm real curious, sir, like what are some of the ways that you've been using the four questions and applying the gospel to your own life in, in situations, like just different ways that you've gone, wow, this is good tool for that. This has helped me. What are just some of the different ways you've been applying that? Well, um, this, this uh, past three weeks, I've been actually preaching through uh, the four questions moving from unbelief to belief and looking how that uh, really shapes our view of, of who God is. And so I'm, I've been focusing a lot on the, the first question uh, with that and what the gospel really means. And so I've, I've used it for, for teaching. It's, it's really transformed the way I read scripture devotionally and then um, also use it for preparation for uh, for speaking on Sunday mornings. Um, so that, Let's that's talk about way. that a little bit. Cause yeah. I've, I've suggested to folks throughout the years and maybe, maybe you and I've had this conversation, but I've, I've suggested for years that using the four questions as sort of a filter or a lay, a, you know, outline or a grid to say, Hey, within my preaching outline, this is pretty solid. If we make sure at some point that we're pulling out, <laughs> you know, based on whatever we're teaching, whatever passage, or wherever the topic is, those four, the answers to those four questions, because then we know for sure the gospel's baked in there. Right. Well, and like today, for instance, you know, just looking at really pounding in who God is, and we look through a, a passage uh, from Luke 7, and we we're just looking at the, the woman who came in and washed Jesus's feet, that she really had to believe who he was in order to to, yeah. to take that stand and go into a Pharisee's house and, you know, and so, you know, believing who God is really is what we put our faith in. And, and so often people put their faith in their works or in other things. And, you know, when we talk about the good news, are we bringing it back to who God is? And so really in all of, in all of scripture, we see that God is the same all throughout. And, um, so it's really helpful to tie everything together in scripture. It's really helpful to, um, you know, keep what our response is, what we do at the end, because, you know, so often we want to say, well, go do this, this, and this, and, um, then you'll be more like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so if we look at the flow of the four questions, it really helps us 
you know, be rooted deeply in, in who he is. And, you know, over and over again, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, what are we trusting in? We're trusting in who he is and what he's done for us. So absolutely. I've been thinking a lot about this lately and you and I may have discussed this in the past, but I, I it's really become in front and center how transactional at times my relationship with God becomes mm-hmm. and even how I view who he is, is through the, is through the lens of, well, what he's done or what I'm asking him to do. And that's, it, it gets kind of icky. And I, you know, if you've applied that to your relation, our relationship with our wives, it's like, well, tell me about Tina. She does this for me. She does that for me. She does this. If I ask her to do that, she'd be willing to do it. You know, it's like, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, tell me about your wife, you know? Right. right? And I think that unfortunately that do to be distortion creeps in there and from all of life. And I live under much of that tyranny like anybody does. And I probably do that to more people than I want to, but the gospel's working that out. But I, I think our relationship with God becomes quite transactional in that sense too, yeah. where we forget to start with in every situation. Okay. Maybe God does do these things and we can ask him for that, but you know why, like you're saying, because I, I have faith in who he is and his character and it's ever changing. And part of why, you know, we, in that second question, well, how's God proven that's true? And one of the areas we look at is in our own lives, in a community in the past. Mm-hmm. And you go lots and lots of examples. Okay. So he's still that way. So then that's starting to tell my heart. He's still that way for this issue that I'm facing too. And you right. know why he'll do that? Now we get into our identity because we're beloved sons, daughters, because this is part of our authority or our privilege. Now we get to receive that. We get to share that. We, you know, all that. How powerful, right? Gosh. It, it, it really, it, it's good news. And it takes the pressure off of trying to come up with something creative because there's so much that we can talk about with who God is. And, and I tell people all the time, I'm like, we, we can make a list, but that list is not even, you know, beginning to be complete. And, you know, because he's, you know, un, unimaginable. <laughs> all, yeah, all I mean, we're listing out the answer to the first yeah. question, who is God and what's he like? Yeah, like it could go a long way, you know. Um, so have you, you've also been using the four questions, um, I think, in much the way we do here in Cigar and Theology with some guys too, right? Where we kind yeah, of get some men's group together and hang out. And I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, you know. Like yeah. you don't even call it that. You call it something else, don't you? I think you call it uh, campfire and theology. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people around here don't like to, you know, smoke a cigar. But uh, I barely but, ever yeah. do. Half the time, <laughs> even at cigar and theology, I don't smoke. <laughs> but oh, it's been great. And, it, you know, I've had neighbors come that some have been in church and then there's some that, that have not. But just to hear, like, why we, go through it the way we do. Like I'll, I talked to them uh, two weeks ago, we met and I just explained, Hey, this is why we are doing this. And there's a reason behind it is, is really to highlight, uh, because everyone wants to jump to either what God has done or what we get to do, you know, or, or what we're supposed to do or yeah. what you should do or what you should stop doing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, it, you know, I, just trying to reiterate to them the importance of why we go through it in the way that we do, uh, looking at each question, you know, and, and not moving, jumping ahead in the story, so to speak. And so, um, yeah, I, I think the guys really engage well in that and, um, it's helped them to see maybe a bigger picture of, of who God is versus the box that we all try to put them into. Yeah. No kidding. How, 
How has the use of the four questions, and really that's just a tool to get to like, what's the thing behind the thing and what's right. the gospel, how does the gospel speak into this? How's that changing in your own life? Just if we take off the pastor hat for a second and just Tim looking in the mirror or Tim is dad or Tim cooking dinner yeah. or, you know. <laughs> uh, it You know, I think I've been learning this stuff and, and trying to wrestle through it for years. And, um, you know, really helping to identify my unbelief, you know, and, and what that is. And so it comes up in so many different ways. And I think it's easier to see in my kids, you know, and talk, talk to them about it versus my own heart. But I think one of the biggest sure. impacts has been like speaking the gospel to myself and being able to, to recognize my deep need for, you know, trusting in, in who God is and remembering that. And so, yeah, we, you know, we use it in talking with our children, um, in our DNA groups, uh, that we, we have. And, uh, which just for folks wondering what that is, that's like little triads, guys getting together, or girls getting together and really trying to get after the gospel mm -hmm. unbelief in their own hearts. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And so we, you know, we go through, uh, how to, how to work through the circle, which, um, you know, maybe, which we haven't talked even talked about before. yet, <laughs> Yeah, but it's really uh, the four questions applied in a, yeah. So there's lots of tools out there that, that really help lead us to repentance and, and what is really true about God and, and how we believe it. So, you know, I think in my daily life, I've become more fluent in speaking the truth about that. The more I practice walking through the four questions, the more I use it in, in my own devotional time or, or in conversation and, uh, I meet with a group of guys every Wednesday morning and we kind of, you know, just go through those four questions in our own, you know, how, how we've seen that happen in our own devotional wow. life and, you know, kind of talk about the unbelief that we have. Um, it's almost know. Tim, as if you're saying the gospel is good news for all of life, <laughs> all of life, but it, it it's is. not just, it's not just, uh, our ticket to heaven, but it's, uh, like, wow, we, we get to preach the gospel and yeah. we get to talk to our kids this way. And we get to have our devotions and we get to do it with guys around a fire and maybe for breakfast. And we talk about everything in light of that. Yeah, so, yeah. It, I mean, it's been, it really has been a, a good tool that's transformed the way that, you know, that I talk with people and that even for listening, you know, what, what are people putting their hope in and what do they believe? is true about God, being able to have that, a, a listening ear to be able to respond with truth versus just my opinion. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big difference. Like giving people good news versus just good advice. Huh? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. so as we kind of start to wrap up here, um, it's amazing at how much your own gospel fluency has grown, man, in the last few years. It's like, it's phenomenal. Like, that's just, I can hear it. I can see it. That's where your heart's going. It's leaning there. Um, but it, we're not, we don't all start there, right? And, and when we first get introduced to some of these tools, like the four G's and the four questions and how they all fit together, um, it, it's not always immediately easy. What, uh, what advice would you have for people? Like, like maybe like what was hard for you or, and what's helped in that, you know, in applying the four questions or maybe what fears you had when you first started trying to use it? Cause I think, I think sometimes we try to use it like a hammer or like a magic spell or something like that. What are, right. what are some, what's some advice, like maybe like things you've based and how you've learned to get past that when using the four questions. So I, I think with the four questions, the, 
Um, I would say my biggest struggle initially was moving through the first three very quick and getting to the end. Like now what, <laughs> you know? And so I think learning to, to pause and spend a lot of time talking about who God is and really digging deep into that, like what is always true about him? Because if we believe what's always true about him, then all these other fears and struggles that we have are, are going to fade away easier because this is what's true about God. And he, you know, and so really looking at that, it's changed the way I've thought about identity and, um, you know, that distortion that we've, that we all have. And, um, you know, I think even in, I'm getting ready to do some premarital counseling and talking with them about this, you know, I think that it's very important to, you know, if we want to build our relationships on the truth of, of the gospel, um, what better tool to use than going through this? Can you Um, imagine if everybody that I've had, pardon me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Uh, I I think some of the, the struggles I had was knowing like how to be confident in talking about it without, um, you know, thinking like looking like I'm thinking too much, you know? Yeah. And so the more that you practice, the more fluent you become and you can, it it just comes out where, you know, a new person in our church family that is, is wanting to lead a group and have a, you know, like our DNA group, um, it, it may take a lot of practice for them to feel comfortable going through that where they're confident and they're not having to maybe look at a piece of paper or look at, you know, but it, it ends up becoming our heart language. So. Absolutely. And and that's one of the reasons, Tim, too, that we're always trying to encourage folks to not only write out your answers, like when you're, like when you're first practicing this new tool, this new language of the gospel, write out your answers. Like when you're doing it with your spouse and, or close friend, you know, or, or both, right? Like really write that out and get comfortable with the mechanics of it. And then when you do it in community, there's not like, I'm trying to act like a guru. It's like, we're saying, Hey, we're going to learn this together. And so here's the four questions. I'll maybe write them on a big sticky post-it note, one of those wall size ones or pull out a whiteboard, you know, or whatever, and say, we're going to try to walk through these four questions together. We're way smarter together than we are apart. And, and we're going to write out all our answers on this board or on this, you know, four sheets of sticky paper. We've done it. And they're just, oh, it's exhaustive. And you're not acting like, oh, I got to remember this or I got to do it perfectly. And yet when you go through it that way, everybody's learning. It's so much more rich and everybody's learning how to do it. Right. You know, so instead of having to hide neck, like, oh, I'm nervous and I'm not going to just say, hey, we're learning how to do this. Let's learn to do it together better. And, uh, and if you do it, if you do it a lot, eventually you're going to say, Hey, this week, and this is part of how we raise up disciples to make disciples. Hey, this week, so-and-so is going to be, uh, taking us the poor questions in connection to, uh, something that came up this week in our community. You know, so-and-so has gone through this, or they're afraid of that. Let's go ahead and see what the gospel says. Well, I think another, another thing is even with like the campfire and theology, having that time where people you know, we don't bring our Bibles. We just sit and talk and everybody can think of something that some characteristic or attribute about God, you know, even someone who doesn't know God. And so they can say, well, you know, 
is this true about him or is this true about him? And, and that leads to, you know, just kind of leads itself through. And then you, you might have some people who are a little more um, versed in, you know, the Bible or whatever there. God that is, yeah. That, that might give a few more answers or, or whatever, but no one feels um, unprepared because it's just a conversation that you're having. Right. And it, it really is an, a great tool, I think, for that, for just having conversation with people. Well, and you you just brought up a real simple thing real fast that's pretty big. People say, well, what about with not yet believers? See, there's a posture there that's like, we're open, we're all exploring this, we're letting the Spirit guide this, but we're using this framework of the four questions. And someone who may not even know, or maybe they are, they're not an evangelical, but most people have some Christian influence in their life or church as a kid or something. But even if they don't, they might go, is this true of God? And you go, let's write that down. And then when we get to the second question, can we prove that in scripture and from our own lives and in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Let's see. Yeah. And see, you see the openness of that and go, no, that's not true. Or yeah, yeah, good one. And then moving on and you're like, it's a platitude. It's a proposition. It's like, no, we're going to look at the proof of this. I love that heart. And I love that the ease of that posture to say, no, we're going we're to have a discussion. And I, and I think, Tim, some people get a little flipped out of like, well, wait a minute, you just, you just mentioned you don't bring your Bibles for a theology discussion. Right. Well, um, just, just, just to remind people who might be flipping out, nor did Jesus ever, because <laughs> there were no copies of the five books of the Pentateuch or the you know, <laughs> writings of the prophets. And the, old, uh, the New Testament was uh, written later, and uh, the, there was no, you know, if there was a copy of that, people come and have it read to them. That was it, you know. There's no indication that they were photocopying those out there. So letting the spirit guide us to what we know is true and, and doing it in community is exactly what Jesus did and what he called us to do and what he modeled and all of that. And I, I don't want, I, I, I love your part posture in that brother. I love your heart in that. Well, and something I read, you know, I, I've read through, um, you know, the Bible numerous times and, the other week I was reading in John 16, verse nine, it says the world's main problem is that they, that they don't believe in me. Jesus says that. Mm. So it's an unbelief in him. And so if we truly believe that that is the main issue in the world today, well, what better way to, to point them to him than to say, well, this is what's true about him. You know, let's move from yeah. unbelief to belief in this area connected to that area. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyhow, yeah, I thought that was, it, it just struck me different as I've gone through this many times and, yeah. you know, yeah, that discipleship is moving from unbelief to belief. And Jesus says the main, the main sin is unbelief. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. So uh, did Paul did. in Romans, yeah. you know, you've exchanged the truth of who God is for a lie. What? Yeah. yeah. There's the root. <laughs> and and so there again to underline something you said taking your time to get through and, and have fun exhausting like what do we know to be true of god connected to this oh wait a minute that's what he does hold on a second that'll come in really exhausting that and and the the power of when you do this in community people from different experiences maturity levels giftings apostles versus shepherds prophets versus you know teachers all that you come up with like well I think this is true of God in connection to that. And you're like, I never would have thought of that. <laughs> I don't know. That wouldn't have hit my heart. You know, it's just different experiences, different perspectives. 
And we go, wow, the richness of that. And I find in my, in my experience of this, and we use it all the time, Tim, it's just part of our language now. Like, uh, I just find that whatever the issue is for myself or someone else that we're doing it, we all get gospeled and just taking the time to get through that. I already feel like a million times better. Right. Just being reminded of what's true of God, because I do trust him, but I don't perfectly trust him like Abraham. <laughs> but just going through that list and taking the time, like you said, to go like, well, what's true in this, in this situation? This, this, this. I right away, I just go. Whew. Yeah. All right. And then, and then all the stories from people's lives and reminders from scripture and then magnified at you know, Jesus' life and at the cross. You're like, oh, good news. This is such good news. How do I get to respond? I go like, that's why I want to respond. <laughs> the, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. You know? <laughs> well, and it, it takes the pressure off of us because yeah, we see that God is always the faithful one. You know, yep. and as you walk through that, that comes up every time. You know, God is faithful, and because yeah. of that, I can trust Him. You know, <laughs> Amen. Well, brother, we could talk about this forever and ever. The goodness of the gospel, and and praise God for these tools to be able to see it and use it and grow in our fluency. So, hey, thanks for your time today and just sharing your heart and experiences with a bunch of other brothers and sisters. I really appreciate it, man. Say hey to Anna for me, okay? I will. Thank you. Okay. Blessings. God bless. Okay. I I know that, well, that super encouraged me and reminds me of a lot of the functionality and the mechanics of all that. Now, you might be sitting there and thinking, oh, some of that makes sense, but I, I don't have I haven't had the coaching or the the deep training they have so there's I have questions about what what do they mean by this or how are they doing that that's okay that's to be expected this is a process it's also why I'm doing the training that we're doing and all that so again please join us for the discipleship and mission made simple how to live and multiply a lifestyle of discipleship that others will follow all right I really want you to do that I want you to come as spouse and I want you to invite folks in your church and community to, to join you for that. All right, and carve out a lunch or whatever. So all you have to do to grab your seat now is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash simple. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash simple. All right. Now, normally this is the part in our episodes where I go to the big three, but I'm going to flip the script a little bit today. I've only done this one other time, like in almost seven years. And I want you to go to the Facebook group, the Everyday Disciple Podcast Facebook group. If you've not Join us there. Go for it. Just go to Facebook, search it up, or go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook. It'll take you there. And I want you to give me your either questions or your big three takeaways from what you've heard either in this episode or the last few where we've been unpacking some of the mechanics and tools of gospel fluency. I really want to hear that, your ahas or three questions or whatever you've got. And and then always end the big three with a real practical thing. This practical thing this week is to join me in the free training. Go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash simple right now and reserve your seat. Okay, get it. I'll get you all the information. You're going to love it. All right. And um, like, I, like I said earlier, it, it's it's probably the most comprehensive training I've ever put together to do online and give away. All right. It, I, I'm excited about it. I'm really excited. Still got a lot of work to do on it. It's going to be a busy week, but I hope you'll join me for that. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of the Everyday Disciple Podcast. Join me again next week as we continue to dive deeper into a lifestyle of discipleship and mission. It's the only way to live. It's what we were created for. I love it. I'd like to do it with you. I'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.